Welcome to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. Wherever you're listening from, welcome. We pray that the truth from the Word of God speaks to your heart during today's message. The title of the message this morning is, To Whom Will You Pledge Allegiance? This holiday that we're celebrating here in America, may I remind you that it was made possible with people with guns. <laughs> this is why we have freedom. Cain rose up and he killed his brother Abel. He slew him. That was the first murder. Cain killed Abel. I don't know if he used a rock. I don't know if he used a, a, a stick or a knife. I don't know what he used. The Bible doesn't tell us, but I know this. God didn't ban rocks. God didn't ban sticks. God get, didn't ban knives. Sin lieth at the door. God blamed Cain. And you know what we have in our nation? We don't have a gun problem. We've got a sin problem. People need to be saved from their sin. And every day we get up and we have the freedom in America to go to work, to go to school, to go to the store, even to come to church. And we get to come home to our families, our own home, because somebody left their home and fought for our freedom. Someone gave up their life. Someone gave up their aspirations. Someone gave up their childhood sweetheart. Someone gave up their youthfulness for you and for I. These are called American men and American women who were brave enough. They were committed enough. They were tough enough to love you and I in our country. And the freedom that we have here is blood spilled freedom. And these people, they don't want to stand for the national anthem. I got a better idea. Why don't you give your legs to a veteran that lost his legs and let a real man stand up? Yeah, that's right. Happy Fourth of July. <laughs> well, these things need to be said because people in America, especially this crowd that is a bunch of spoiled little brats that won't stand their little boys, their little girls, taking their little temper tantrums. The Bible says, greater love hath no man than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. But I would submit to you this morning, more Christians need to take a stand for Jesus Christ. I stand for the flag, but not at the expense of not standing for Christ. I'd like to connect the dots on that thought right now. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 15 says, and your feet shod, with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Look at Romans chapter 10. That's where I'd ask you to turn and let's look at verse number 15. And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Are your feet shod? Are your feet ready to bring the gospel of peace? I submit to you this morning that we as Christians need to pledge our allegiance to the mighty God who saved our souls. 
He has prepared us. We are, we are called to go out and preach the gospel. We need to be sent. We need to be willing to go. We need to be willing to bring the glad tidings. It's a simple command that even a child can do. We're doing these outreaches. and Praise God, they have all these activities for the kids to do. And, and for the most part, you know, it, a lot of it's family-friendly stuff. Boy, you know, Josiah finds some boys, and they're going to play some football, and all that's great. And that's a blessing to a father's heart. What's more of a blessing is to hear the stories on the way home. Yeah, Dad, I got to give all my friends a gospel track. Well, that's a blessing. Pledging our allegiance to God. There are so many opportunities for us to do public ministry and witnessing. It doesn't have to look like the same way I do it. But it should be the same message. It might be boys and girls playing at a playground or getting a little catch-up football game going. But we need to get the gospel out. Building a church is completely flipped on its head in the United States of America. It's this. Well, we just need more money. Well, we just need more programs. Well, we just need more revival meetings. I'm not against. We all need more money. <laughs> that's, a, that's a given. I'm not against revival meetings. I think they're great. What we need is men and women that will say, I will take a stand. What good does all the money in the world mean if we're not going to invest it into the gospel of Jesus Christ? What good do all the programs do if all we're going to do is just try to slip in just a little bit of Jesus, but not enough to really convict anybody, not enough to get anybody offended because then we'll lose them. What good does all the revival meetings mean if all we do for a Friday and a Saturday night is bring a bunch of people in, preach some fiery emotional messages, have them come up to the prayer benches and weep, and then go home Monday and live their life the same way? And nobody hears about the great Savior and the great God, the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not being against these things. It's being for the more important thing. Most of you that have known me for any length of time know that I'm a, a businessman at heart. I've, I've been on my own self-employed since I was 23 years old, believe it or not. A college dropout. Who would have thought? And it just amazes me that people... They're loyal to Walmart or Kroger's or Publix or whatever it is. All the ladies have their brand loyalty. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm just saying you do. I'm going to go here because of this. And we see that all over. People are loyal to karate class. Parents won't miss twice a week. People are loyal to having their son learn how to swing a ball bat. None of that stuff is wrong. Go to karate class. Swing a ball bat. Go to Walmart. 
Just don't tell the person that goes to Kroger's that. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with those loyalties. You're not going to get a Tennessee fan to be loyal to Alabama, are you? <laughs> Look, they're good. They're fun to have. We even have church allegiances. You've heard this before. Well, this is just where I've always gone. This is just what I've always been taught. Well, Tom touched a little bit on this in the, in the Sunday school hour. We're more allegiant to our traditions than we are to, will you just consider some Bible truth? Our allegiance ultimately should be to God. I want people that come to church where their allegiance is ultimately to God. You want a preacher at the church that you attend to have his allegiance to God. That's our ultimate allegiance. I do know this because I've been caught up in this myself. Most Christians are masters at kidding themselves. We're just good at it and we can spiritualize it. They know sports. They know how to work. They know that somehow all preachers are in it for the money. I don't know where people get that. Well, wait, I do because I've seen that junk too. But we can't paint everybody with the same brush. People know all the sports facts. They know the latest champion and latest winner of the UFC. We know the great sale that's going on at all the businesses around town for the 4th of July weekend. We've got them mapped out. I'm not saying I don't do it. I'm just saying we do it. I'm not saying it's wrong. I'm saying we do it. Most Christians are such masters at kidding themselves that they know for sure that the election was stolen and we need to make America great again. Except we've gotten away from the fact that there's something more important than making America great again. Why don't we make America spiritual again? Let's make America biblically right again. If you want to save America, if you want revival, then we need to get out and preach the gospel. We need to get people saved. We need to get them to realize their need for a savior and ultimately trust the Lord Jesus Christ. People don't know God. They have allegiances to all these things. And I'm with you. My frustration is up to here just like yours is with all the stuff that's going on politically. I'm with you on all that. But where I draw the line is I say, you know what? I'm going to stand for Christ. With God helping me and the Holy Spirit guiding me. I want to stand for Christ. My allegiance is to him. It was a blessing and a curse during the coming up to the 2020 election because you see all these people out holding Trump, the Trumpsters, all holding their sign. And there's at least a dozen of them. Because after we were done downtown, we go and we take the kids, um, get a bite to eat after we're doing the ministry at the square. Told this story before. One of my kids said, oh, Dad, can we stand out with the, with the Trumpers? There's something going on there. There's some action. There's some activity. I said, we sure can. You know what we're going to do? We're going to hold scripture signs that have the gospel. 
Because even if somebody votes Republican and they don't know Jesus Christ as their savior, they're going to the same place that the person who voted for old Sleepy Joe went. They voted for old Sleepy Joe and they're going to go to the same and they don't know Christ, they're going to go to the same place. We have divided this country into Republican and Democrat. And if you're Republican, you're all right with God. And if you're Democrat, you're not all right with God. Well, I got news for you. That's wrong. <laughs> if you're a lost Republican, what is the difference if you're a lost Democrat? It's a deception. Our allegiance has become a political party. And our church growth programs and some of our independent fundamental Baptist churches has been, let's just find the most red-blooded American patriotic family that we can. I'm patriotic. I love America. I love the freedom that we have to do this. Don't get me wrong. But what is our message? Is it to vote Republican? And if you vote Democrat, you can't be part of this. Or is it, I don't see you as a Democrat. I don't see you as a Republican. I'm going to have the same conversation. What are you going to do when you die? You're going to, you're going to show up in front of God with a MAGA hat? Because if you're trusting in MAGA, I got news for you. It's not going to save your soul at all. It might get you some news time because you're going to wear it. Someone's going to punch you in the face. Except the frustrating part is this. People are willing to do that. Young people are willing to go to school and wear a, a MAGA shirt, a MAGA hat. And Christians are scared to death. To wear a shirt that says Jesus saved or give somebody a gospel track or somebody talk to somebody about the Lord Jesus Christ because they might be called a name. Where's our allegiance? I'm telling you, these outreaches that we do in Tennessee are easy. The people are nice. We used to do stuff in New Jersey. Central Florida. Which the South stops once you pass that Georgia Florida line, by the way. <laughs> I mean, there's some parts, but what I'm saying is it don't get any easier than Tennessee. There's still that remnant of Christian manners, Christian respect. Might not be saved, but they're not gonna be they're some of the nicest and most well-mannered unsaved people that you meet because it's just a different culture. And I thank God for it. I think we all do and, and, re and recognize it. I ask you to turn to 2 Peter chapter 1. Let's go there. Bible says in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 21. For the time kicked off this message in his Sunday school lesson, which was very good. He had used this verse. He had quoted this verse. Pointed to my notes. My wife had said, oh, it's, Tom's leading right in, and we didn't even speak about it. But God did. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, 
but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We need holy men. We need holy women that are moved and that are full of the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost didn't tell you to just come to church on Sunday and then forget about God for the rest of the week. The Holy Ghost didn't tell you to just pour your life into work and forget about your kids. The Holy Ghost didn't tell you, well, we don't need to witness. We don't need to bear forth any type of fruit in our life. Uh, as long as I'm saved, that's the only thing that matters. It's the only thing that matters concerning your soul's salvation. Let's check that off. We all have that down. We've been going through, we just finished up the book of Galatians. Everybody knows where we all stand as a church on salvation. You know, there's a Christian life to live. And it's abundant. We should all get in, get it more in on that. We need to be full of the Holy Ghost. The Bible says in Romans chapter 1, verse 16, for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. If your allegiance is truly to the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is new. Do you know why? Because Christ lives in you. And none of us should have a hard time identifying with the Lord Jesus Christ. And if your allegiance is truly to Jesus Christ, by default, it will bring clarity to your life's priorities and perspectives. This is the lie. The church as a whole. The so-called church as a whole. They look at the world. And they identify that's what the world likes. That's what the world listens to. That's what the world is swayed by. Let's offer that at the church house because that'll get them in. And then if we get them in, we'll preach to them truth that's so vague everybody can agree with it. And the motive is we just want to Get as many people as we can into the church house and offer them as many activities as we can and as many programs as we can. And as we do that, we systematically numb them to the word of God. So when they listen to a message like Brother Tom gave in the Sunday school hour, that's through the Bible. Or they listen to someone like me preach the Bible and make application that's a little more personal than a vague generality. They consider that man to be a mean man. And they consider that man to be a legalistic man. And he should be stayed away from. That's the lie that this modern church tells thousands of people in towns every day. Multiply that by the towns, you'll get a million people. If the world hates you, know ye that it hated me. Well, I thought we're not supposed to hate. No, we're supposed to hate the things that Jesus hates. We're supposed to love the things that Jesus loves. 
the world hates you. Jesus loves you. Why don't we love Jesus more? Because the world has such a pull. Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. Not just some of the things that you think you'll be okay with. Language is new. Music is new. Dress is new. Thoughts are new. Places that you go are new. Because you're a new creature. Why is the world so dedicated to the things that they have allegiance to? And Christians have a hard time not getting all bent out of shape if somebody points out something in the Bible that offends them or they disagree with. It was Thursday. Was it Thursday night? It was one of these nights during the week. We went. I forget what we did. Oh, it was after church. It was after church. It was after Thursday night church. So we took the kids down the Ralph's Donuts, where you can solve all the problems of the world. Sorry, I know some of you have the same weakness that I have as Ralph's Donuts, but we go down to Ralph's Donuts, and uh, depending on how you get there, you can pass, you know, Hell's Corner, which has got all the bars, the nowhere bar and grill. You'd figure people would figure out the places. I mean, it's a, it's a way to spend time going nowhere in your life, and they put it out there. Uh, they got the Red Silo, they got Cedar 37, uh, they got Father Tom's Pub. And then right across, when you go down to Ralph's, right across from that, they got the tap room. Look, I'm not trying to guilt anybody. I know people have commitments, so don't take this the wrong way. I want you to receive it in the right way. You know how big the Thursday night midweek service is? Let's just say not as big as this. <laughs> Every single one of those bars during their midweek service, it ain't Friday night, it ain't Saturday night, it's a Thursday night, and they're all crowded. The tap room, the doors open, the bars, you can look in and see everybody's filling up the bar stools, the music's a going, the rounds are being bought, people are drinking it up, they're eating, they're having all their merriment, and we come from a midweek service with five people. And I'm not just saying you, I'm saying Christians in general are more committed to their allegiance to the world. And I look at that and, I'm, and I sit down in Ralph's Donuts and I say to myself, God help us. God help us. Well, I got Little League. Give Little League back to the devil. Well, I've got karate class. Give karate class back to the devil. If it keeps you from allegiance yourself to God, then get rid of it. I didn't say it's sinful. I said, if it keeps you from God, then give it back to the devil. It's an idol. And we have so spiritualized the things in our life where the Bible doesn't say they're sin. And we use that and justify our calls to pledge our allegiance to it rather than to pledge our allegiance solely to God. Things that aren't sinful. 
We do that way. Now, going to the tap room or Father Tom's would be sinful. Just don't want anybody to misunderstand. Galatians chapter 2. Keep your finger in 2 Peter if you would. We already preached through this as we went through Galatians, so I'll just touch on it briefly. Galatians chapter 2 and the 20th verse. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live the way I want to live. Nevertheless, I live doing the same things I've always done. No, nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. The barkeeper isn't going to give himself for you. The world isn't going to give itself for you. But there's a man, Christ Jesus, who did give himself for you. Can we pay more allegiance to him? That's how we have revival. Individual Christians getting their souls revived by the Holy Ghost and living as holy men and holy women. You know you're on the right path when someone says to you, an old friend or an old neighbor or an old workmate, someone you knew before sees you, you know you're on the right path when they say, what happened to you? You know you're doing good. Because then you can say, well, let me tell you what happened to me. Jesus Christ saved my soul. And he loved me enough to die for me. And I want to commit to living for him. I didn't say commit to going to a foreign land to be a missionary. I didn't say commit to being a preacher and preaching the word of God. I didn't say commit to doing every single public ministry that comes up in the church. I didn't say that. I'm not trying to discourage anyone that's called to do that. In your everyday life, have you notched out time for God? I want you to come to church. Anytime the doors open, I want you to be at church. That's not going to make you get right with God. The outreaches that we do, I'd love for everybody to get involved with the outreaches. That's not realistic. Not everybody can do it all. That doesn't mean you're not right with God. You've got to go before God. You've got to figure out what it is that God would have you to do or not do. That you're struggling with your allegiance to him. What is it? Second Peter 1, that's our verse for this morning. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. We have men and women that aren't moved today because life is ultimately defined by shallow commitments. They'll say they want to grow closer to God. From the young college student all the way up to the married man, to the single female all the way up to the mom that's married with kids, they will all say, if they're Christians, yeah, I, I know we should be committed to God more. We should read our Bible more. We should pray more. We should serve more. Everybody would agree to those things. But what does that mean? How is that defined? A lot of this shallow type commitment is a result of shallow preaching. 
You know what read the Bible is turned into? Skip over the parts you don't like. And call the preacher or call the Bible teacher that preaches against the sin that I do. Just call him a legalist. Don't look at the sin that you're doing. That's what read the Bible means to a lot of these preachers, a lot of these churches, a lot of these Christians. I don't want to be like that. Pray more means I really wish the red-blooded patriotic crowd would be able to get Trump back in office. Let's just pray to that end. I'm telling you, we're more politically elite allied than we are Christ allied. How about praying for souls to get saved? How about we got all these outreaches going on? Let's just pray. I was talking with Sister Lois. She said, yeah, I remember the days. And it was just, you know, my one friend, we used to knock doors and we used to. I said, Sister, your call right now is to pray for all of us that are out there doing it. Why? Because all of us run our course. All of us run our race. And God calls you to serve in another way. Pray for the young ones out there doing what you used to do. So that when they're in their 90s, they can say to the preacher. I remember I used to go knocking doors with this person. I remember passing out tracks with this person. I remember how the Lord moved. I remember praying for this, this soul that we so dealt with for an hour. How about praying like that? How about praying, Lord, help me to not be afraid to be a witness for you. Lord, help me not to be self-righteous. Lord, help me not have to have an emotional experience where I get enough dopamine to my brain to make me go home and feel like I've done well. I'm telling you, we know more about neurotransmitters than we know about the Holy Ghost. We need holy men, holy women. Serve more means it's just shallow. Serve more means, well, I sent in my ties. I'm good. I've got my Joshua 24 sign and T-shirt. You know, as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And so that that's service to most Christians. Joshua 24, amen. Okay. That's a start. But are you actually doing that? Is your house serving the Lord? Well, what do you mean? Well, do you, do you pray each night with the kids? No. You do devotions anytime during the day? No. Anytime during the week? No. Anytime during the month? No. You go to church? Well, on Christmas? Anytime, anytime else? Well, yeah, Easter. Any other time? Well, if someone's getting married, I'll show up. <laughs> How are you serving God when you systematically convince yourself that all your reasons are righteous? It's a shallow, shallow Christian life. Second Timothy chapter four, if you would. Second Timothy chapter four. Shallow preaching gives Christians an allowance to distract themselves. And as a result, we move more away from solid, hard Bible preaching and teaching. And we tend to draw ourselves closer to these vague generalities. And we're okay with it. Second Timothy chapter four, verse three explains why. Look at it. 2 Timothy 4. We'll start at the third verse. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lusts 
shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. Our master ability to distract ourselves and then spiritualize it. And then it becomes our moral duty. Is going to be our nation's downfall when we look at it from a Christian perspective. We have systematically learned how to spiritualize all of our distractions so that we don't have to deal with more Bible truth. It's less Bible truth. And as a result, we heap to ourselves teachers who will tell us fables. God help America. God help the world. God help Christians. And these preachers that are running these big mega outfits and let me just be clear to, to draw the line. There is nothing wrong with big. There is nothing wrong with small. There's nothing wrong with a little. There's nothing wrong with a lot. If you have a little and you want a lot, you're not worldly. I want everybody to be saved. But when the motive of when we look at, when we generally look at this mega church movement, when we look at it, it's not a ver it's not about big versus small. I'd love to have more people here, more friends, more people to evangelize with, more people to talk to and fellowship with. The loneliness kind of gets a little old. <laughs> I'd love for my kids to have instead of two kids, four kids. And then those four would rather have eight kids. So they can run and play and sing songs to Jesus. And we all want that. We all do. So it's not about, well, we're just going to stay small. And then we're, we're, we're small, we're spiritual. No, you're not. Maybe you're small because you don't want to change. Maybe you're small because you're just so set in your traditions. that. So it's not small versus big. That's not what this megachurch movement is about. What it is about is systematically trying to convince people to get away from Bible teaching and Bible preaching and fill their life with what the world has. Just slap a Jesus sticker on it. You won't hear. You won't hear hard preaching about sin. Except. You know. You're a sinner. They won't name sin. They want to get you off of Bible teaching and Bible preaching. And get you on to this vague generality. And it's a distraction. So that you can sit and hear them tell you fables or stories. And they're good stories. But they're fables. Not against stories, but when you use it as an agenda for Bible preaching, that's a problem. Lastly, I'll say this. Two more things we'll say and then we'll close. Our commitment to God really is a direct result to who we surround ourselves with. Everybody in the business world, in the athletic world, in the intellectual world knows you need to surround yourself with people that are good or as good or better than you are in order to grow. You think the major league baseball team goes and practices with the local middle school? <laughs> They're getting guys that are better than them to get around. 
We need to be around people that will encourage us, not quench us. This is why people hire personal trainers. It's hard work. But they need to get a trainer to tell them, no, do this. No, do one more. But I don't want to. Shut up and do another one. People pay big money so they're going to get off their fat, lazy butt and get to a gym and get on the treadmill and stop eating, you know, ding-dongs and Twinkies all day. <laughs> I figured, I figured yeah, young ones would like that, right? Because you can't eat ding-dongs and Twinkies all day. You got to go out and play. And people pay big, big money to go to the gym. They pay big money to get a trainer to pay them, tell them to do something, and they're upset about it for 35, 40 minutes. But people can't come to church and listen to, you know, a big, mean, ugly man tell them, no, God said, don't do that. That's sin. And go out and do this. He hurt my feelings. I'm going down to the catalyst. <laughs> we have spiritual whips. Try winning a UFC fight with that type of attitude. Try winning a major league championship with that type of attitude. You wouldn't. The whole team would laugh you out of there. Yet Christians somehow think that if somebody says something that offends them, we've got the whole thing flipped upside down. We need to surround ourselves with people that will encourage us. Proverbs 13, he that walketh with wise men shall be wise but a companion of fools shall be destroyed lastly i'm going to say this if your allegiance is to christ it will bring about wisdom the bible does say wisdom is the principal thing Another verse that's been flipped on its head is this. 1 Timothy 6.12, fight the good fight of faith, lay hold on eternal life. That's been redefined as just fight with other Christians. <laughs> Who cares about fighting with the lost? We, got, we found somebody on YouTube that really, really has an angle on Christianity. I mean, no other local preacher in town does, but this guy does. So they're going to go to church and they're going to, it's their end goal to finally get to, yeah, by the way, and we've had this happen to us. Praise God, it's not happening now. We've had this happen where I'm not naive to it anymore. I kind of see when it's going to come, but it's like, really? That's your good fight? You're upset with me because I didn't let one of the women lead the Lord's Supper? And you're going to leave church over that? That's your fight? You say, what are you talking about, preacher? Just praise God you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> then they give you the argument that they're so submissive. Well, you're arguing with me pretty hard. That's not really submissive. <laughs> These women that try to put themselves out as that they're so submissive. Really aren't the ones that are submissive. It's the ones that aren't saying it. <laughs> that attitude has become their good fight. Instead of locking arms and saying, you know what? We're going to fight the world instead of fighting each other. 
And I'm okay with letting the men teach the Sunday, uh, teach the Lord's Supper and leave it. <laughs> Do you see what I'm saying? We take something like that and we make that our good fight, which isn't the context of the verse. Instead of just saying, oh, okay, fine. I'm all right with that. And use all of that energy and gusto to go argue with a lost person for an hour who hates God and is heading to hell. We need those type of people on our team, by the way. I don't know. They got an angle on God. They're going to let you know about it. The lips of the righteous feed many, but fools die for want of wisdom. Fools are out there dying without Christ. Let's pledge our allegiance to God and go feed them. Proverbs 5.23 says, He shall die without instruction in the greatness of his folly. He shall go astray. All we like sheep have gone astray. This whole world is going astray and they're going to die unless somebody brings them the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Jude verse 25 says to the only wise God, our Savior, this is our fight. This is our good fight. Introduce them to the only wise God, the Lord Jesus Christ. We are not going to have revival if God's people are too busy running to altars looking for an emotional experience. We're not going to have revival if too many people are looking to have another organized fellowship supper. We're not going to have revival if all our young people are just going to these big youth camps and just throwing dedication sticks into bonfires and going home and feeling real rallied up and then going back to the same way that they lived their life. We're going to have revival if God's people say the only wise God needs to be known. And we make that savior known to those who, who aren't wise and are dying and have gone astray. And then we will have revival. We need to fight the right fight. I can give you doctrine. You know, if you've been with us any length of time, we got a lot of doctrine in Galatians. Matthew 24, it's verse by verse. You're getting a lot of doctrine on end times. First Thessalonians, you're getting a lot of doctrine on understanding the second coming versus the rapture of the church. Great. We got all that. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Unless the Holy Ghost moves in your life and in mine, then all of our doctrine and all of our knowledge means nothing. Thank you for listening to the podcast ministry of Pilgrim Baptist Church. We look forward to seeing you in the next episode. In the meantime, you can sign up for our email newsletter at www.pilgrimbaptist.church.